Why are you not uh, speaking out my pun? Oh, I wrote bewilderment. <laughs> <laughs> I did my best. Need to get my contacts in. It's Friday, December the 15th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Statue Scrumper, and with me today is Baal Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Carrot Cartel Kingpin. Um, yes, and this is the last uh, episode before our Christmas break. The last regular uh, episode, yes. Regular episode, yeah. yes. And we will have a, a special episode coming out in the Christmas break. Our uh, yeah, prestigious OPEF of the Year special, uh, where the listeners can vote for um, yeah the best OPEF we've seen in uh, 2023. Uh, it's something uh, I always look forward to. It's one of my favorite uh, episodes I every year. I think everyone looks forward to it. It's, it's the highlight of the year, I think, really. Uh, for me, it's... It is yeah. yes definitely yeah um and uh for patreon listeners we will also release a special uh, episode on um yeah a closer look at the pvv party the uh, freedom party of uh, geert wilders we will uh, take a deep dive into its history into what it stands for uh, all the scandals they've been up to and uh, how <laughs> yeah. he ended up with uh, geert wilders uh, becoming the largest party in the Tweede Kamer. Yeah, we said we we're going to compact all the PFF history and scandals down to half an hour. I think that's going to be pretty ambitious, but we will try yeah, our best. Yeah. We will try our best, yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but if you're a patron, you can enjoy that. If you're not a patron, well, you can still sign up and listen out to it. And of course, you will also get to hear the OPEF of the Year awards uh, edition early before the turn of the new year, whereas everyone yes. else will have to wait. Um, yeah, let's start with the uh, job titles. Yeah, um, it's been an eventful week for, for both of us, it would seem. Yes. Um, Who has the best job title this time? I, it's difficult. I think we both yeah. are, they're both equally good in uh, very different ways, I think. Um, well, uh, let's start with yours then. Okay, yeah. Uh, m- mine is a Drenthe-related story. This is uh, ah. I'm on the trail of a four-meter-tall statue of Vincent van Gogh, which uh, has disappeared from oh, wow. uh, from a square in front in 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 the center of Assen in front of the Drenthe Museum where they're having a, an exhibition of Van Gogh's uh, work that he painted in Drenthe he spent quite a lot of time in Drenthe there's a Van Gogh trail in Drenthe one of the places a little village called Svelo which is literally about three kilometers from where my, my, my where my wife grew up and, and uh, uh, so yes, yeah, so, so they're having an exhibition focusing on that in the Drenthe Museum, and to mark it, they put up a, a big statue of Vincent van Gogh, which has now disappeared. And apparently, some <laughs> pranksters uh, made off with the statue uh, under cover of darkness. Um, the, the, the police in Drenthe uh, weren't uh, uh, obviously uh, um, uh, on high alert for potential statue thieves, and they've left a piece of cardboard uh, saying, uh, uh, with a, a little rhyming couplet from. Vincent van Gogh saying uh, last night I had a bit of a scare I am now plying my brush elsewhere so uh, yeah mm. so I, I need to take my uh, Scooby-Doo mystery van up to Drenthe over Christmas and try and uh, <laughs> track down the missing statue did, uh, this reminds me a little bit of um, a statue once erected for André Hases in the form of a Lego character. It was oh, yes. uh, yeah. placed at the, in the, I think it is, uh, yeah, on Dam Square in, in Amsterdam, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, it also uh, disappeared within a few days. So uh, it seems to be a bit of a trend here, I think. Um, and I have a question. Did uh, Vincent van Gogh paint Hunebedder once or not? I don't think he ever painted any Hunebedder, no. It wasn't, no. Uh, he wasn't into painting uh, stones particularly. He was more into mm. flowers and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and people working in fields. And uh, people eating uh, And people potatoes. eating potatoes, yeah. Yes. People eating very bland dishes, uh, so <laughs> not much has changed since his day. So no, I don't think there's any pictures of uh, Hunebedder in, uh, in his repertoire. Hmm. Yeah. Disappointing. Yeah. Um, Mr. That brings Trickler. us to uh, my job title, I think. Uh, this is yeah, I think you're the part most of the, exclu- uh, the the outrageous uh, cartel that has been driving up the price of root vegetables. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this is an outrageous uh, news story that came out on uh, on Thursday. It turns out that uh, since 2008, yeah. uh, four of the biggest growers of carrots have been involved in a cartel, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was um, I think it was rolled up uh, by uh, by authorities. Uh, uh, a week ago or yeah. something. Was it 
rolled up or was it dug up? Is it uh, <laughs> <Both>. <laughs> they unearthed this conspiracy? Yeah. Yes, they yeah. they they uh, they cut it at root and stern. No, they cut it off at root and stern. It was a deep rooted conspiracy, wasn't it? Yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, lots of puns to be made here, <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, but yeah, very very strange story. Uh, companies from uh, the Netherlands, but also one from Germany, and a uh, uh, a company with roots in Paris. Oh. Um, they were all involved in this uh, European-wide cartel. Uh, the police raided an office in, uh, in in the Netherlands somewhere and they found a single sheet of paper where the um, agreements were listed. Mm. And uh, that was uh, yeah, evidence enough for these companies to be uh, yeah, brought to court. And they are all fined uh, with a um, uh, two and a half million euros fine. So a pretty substantial sum. Huge, yeah. Um, yeah, and it uh, will probably means that uh, uh, we will uh, get our carrots in the supermarkets even cheaper than they already are. Because I was looking at the prices of carrots and I thought, well, this is so cheap. Why? Well, yeah. Uh, uh. Although if they have to pay a big fine, are they not going to just pass that on to their customers? Uh, mm, yeah, to the, yeah. They'll plow it back into the in, in, <laughs> in, into the profits. But, uh, yeah, that's 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 right. Yeah, and yeah. We'll see what uh, what the future will hold. Um, but um, the NOS said that uh, it's unclear if the cartel was also involved in other vegetable products. Okay. So um, yeah, right. maybe maybe it's even more widespread than we already think. Yeah. Um, but the carrot cartel, who could have thought that something yeah, like that cartel, existed? Yeah, yeah. I see that two uh, two of the companies who admitted their role in the cartel uh, got lower fines uh, ah. than the other two who uh, who, who didn't uh, fess up first time. So yeah, I think you could say the the competition authority adopts a kind of carrot and stick approach here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As I said, <laughs> uh, plenty of puns to be made here. <laughs> Indeed. I guess we should crack, crack, crack on with the news, though. But yeah, good, good news in the long term, hopefully for carrot carrot consumers. <laughs> carrot yeah. enthusiasts. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that was pretty outrageous, but um, still uh, not the opf of the week, uh, which uh, this week comes uh, from once again. Actually, this seems to be running theme here. Comes from uh, across the North Sea. Yes, from Westminster in particular, yeah. uh, Prime Minister Mark Rutte has spent his week traveling around the world, meeting world leaders, and his last stop was uh, the United Kingdom, where British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak welcomed him at the steps of 10 Downing Street. And as usual, uh, the two leaders posed for photos as they were shaking hands, but what happened next went viral in the United Kingdom. Uh, a video showed that Sunak yeah, sort of turns around to mm. enter his residence, but he, he stops abruptly, he awkwardly stands with Rutte for a moment while they look around and yeah they continue to chat awkwardly but um, eventually the door opens of course and they get in but the British media interpreted this strange moment that uh, uh, as that Rishi Sunak must have briefly been locked out of 10 Downing Street <laughs> um, and you can imagine the headlines uh, especially given the precarious political situation Sunak is currently in yeah. I have actually no idea if this is the case but I'm just going to assume that he is well, I, I think I that's that a general yeah that they, they I think all conservative prime ministers are permanently in a precarious position at the moment. Um, yeah. But um, the number 10 Downing Street famously only opens from the inside. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I mean, we know this. So presumably the policeman on duty uh, was just having a cup of tea or something and uh, yeah. wasn't available to open the door. Uh, I have it for, on very good authority what actually happened. Uh, Sunak, as they were know trying to uh, uh, enter the building uh, Rutte asks Sunak where is Larry mm. and Sunak appears not to understand for a brief moment what Rutte is talking about uh, I mean Larry is the more senior he's saying where's the boss really isn't he yeah, like, uh, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> uh, but when he realizes that Rutte means the cat they start looking around for Larry which mm. who, who is uh, typically seen um, yeah, napping in front of all the cameras uh, 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 at, at Downing Street. And uh, when they can't find him, they finally enter number 10. So yeah. uh, that was what happened. Rutte just asked about Larry, the chief mouser of the cabinet office. They searched for him for a brief moment and then went inside. So they weren't locked out. Yeah. This is what happened. Yeah, yeah, that could be happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I the other thing that could have happened, uh, I guess, uh, my, my theory here is that uh, Rutte was standing in front of Rishi Sunak so the policeman couldn't see him. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't actually he needs to check if he was actually uh, on the doorstep because Rutter just completely engulfed engulfed him because there was a picture of the two standing next to each other and it's uh, uh, one of those many pictures
speeches that you see with El Grutter and other European leaders where he's uh, literally almost twice the size of uh, yeah. the other person. Uh, you see him standing next to Maloney as well, or even um, yeah, even Olaf Scholz isn't particularly tall either. So like, no. uh, he's he's constantly dwarfing other um, other European leaders. And Geert Wilders is just as tall as uh, as Mark Rutte is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, and with uh, his hair, probably a couple more, <laughs> a couple more inches. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, for all the other world leaders, uh, Geert Wilders will not turn out to be the next prime minister. No. This week, the coalition talks grind towards the start line. Geert Wilders finally gets his man into the Tweede Kamer's hot seat. The so-called spreading law spreads plenty of ill will in Parliament, and speaking of the season of goodwill, what are the odds you'll get coronavirus for Christmas? Four parties will start talks to form a right-wing coalition to form the next government, but only after they've settled their differences on the constitution. That was the recommendation of Ronald Plasterk, the former Labour minister who was appointed as the scout, or glorified minute-taker as we say, <laughs> to canvass the views of the 15 as parties, <laughs> as I say, yeah, to canvass the views of the 15 parties that won seats in the election. The immediate sticking point is Geert Wilders' anti-Islam policies, such as closing mosques and Islamic schools and banning the Quran, which contravene basic constitutional rights like freedom of religion and protection from discrimination. Wilders has pledged to put those plans into cold storage, but Peter Omzicht, the leader of New Social Contract, has said he wants firm guarantees, and the other two parties, FFD and BBB, have also expressed concerns. Pastek said it wouldn't be an easy task to form a government with the four parties, but he was confident they could find a way forward, and they would have to, because there's no other realistic option. In the end, the country needs to be governed, he said, which was uh, a sort of repeat of what Peter Omzicht said uh, immediately after the election result. Did we mention how odd it is that uh, Geert Wilders has chosen Ronald Plasterk as a verkenner? Because... Uh, he served as a former uh, PvdA minister, yeah. uh, but at that time, Geert Wilders often referred to him as the minister of uh, vanity and mm. uh, and uh, uh, yeah, the minister of vanity and parties and and festivities because he was uh, always uh, he was also always present in the media whenever there was a talk show, he was there, yeah. and uh, whenever there was a a a a, 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 a opening of something, um, uh, Ronald Plasterk appeared there. But uh, they have settled their differences when they bumped into each other on a flight to Bonaire. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, they they were they were seated next to each other, I imagine, and uh, yeah, they uh, became uh, yeah, more or less close friends and uh, they iron out all their differences and that's why Geert Wilders trust Plastag this uh, enormous task of uh, yeah, glorifying glorified minute-taker. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And also, uh, just uh, I think because Plastek, since he's left the um, uh, well, um, cabinet, left government, uh, he's become more of a, uh, a, a right-wing uh, shock jock columnist. Um, well, um, yeah. shock jock, shock dot by Dutch standards uh, for the Telegraph. <laughs> uh, so I think he's more amenable to Wilders. And of course, also it gives Wilders uh, a, a useful get-out to say he's not just picking people from his own side either. Yeah. So, you know, it reinforces this image he's got of being more reasonable, more amenable, more, um, yeah, uh, more of someone who's prepared to build bridges uh, rather than um, uh, break them down. So I guess that's useful for him as well. And it is a nice, uh, yeah tease on, on uh, Timmermans because uh, Frans Timmermans and Ronald Plasterk uh, weren't the greatest friends when no. they uh, both joined um, uh, when they both served as ministers in uh, the second cabinet of, uh, of Rutte. No, they famously didn't get on at all, did they? And, uh, no. Yeah, yeah Plasterk was uh, known as the minister for empty boxes as well, which I think might have been uh, a, a nickname that was uh, encouraged by Frans Timmermans. Indeed, okay. yes. Yeah. So uh, where are we going from here? Um, is the formation process finally going to become a, 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 a quick process or not? Uh, no. In fact, nothing like. Um, it's, it's, it's already been a slow process because Plastec has already had to have two rounds of um, um, canvassing talks, which is usually you just have the one uh, because uh, after he'd uh, spoken to all 15 parties, he then went back to the four parties who were the contenders really to form a coalition and spoke to them in one-to-one -one conversations, um, mainly, I think, uh, because uh, Peter Omzicht uh, had big reservations about uh, Geert Wilders' attitude to the constitution. Uh, 
He's now proposed breaking the talks going forward into three stages, and the first stage isn't really a negotiation. Uh, He says they need to discuss discuss the constitution again, uh, which is basically another round of canvassing to agree that they're all on the same page when it comes to constitutional rights. Uh, I noticed that Peter Omzicht spent quite a lot of the time in Wednesday's debate, which we'll discuss in more detail shortly, talking about the difference between constitutional rules and constitutional rights, because Plastec, when he produced his report on Monday, he tried to gloss over this a bit and said, look, it's not a big problem because all parties have got plans for the constitution, like Kuhnings pay for day, I want to abolish a monarchy. Omzicht himself wants to reform the electoral system. And Omzicht said, no, this is there's a key difference between constitutional rules, constitutional structures, which uh, you, you can tinker with, but constitutional rights are more fundamental. And uh, yeah. that's, a, that's a red line that uh, you shouldn't cross. So, yeah, so the first stage is then the parties will sit down and not really negotiate, but, but this is basically about the other three parties getting being reassured uh, that uh, the builders uh, is not going to try and stretch or break uh, people's uh, constitutional rights or discriminate against one group which is against article one of the constitution if they are satisfied uh, by that uh, then they can get stuck into the meat of the issues and Plastec named a few issues that uh, they, 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 they should focus on like migration obviously uh, the cost of living or Sicherheit, climate change foreign policy uh, interesting you didn't mention housing even though that was like the number one priority yeah. for voters during the election seem to be forgetting about that um, and if they broadly agree on those points then they'll discuss the shape of the cabinet because then there's this whole issue of whether they have a majority or a minority coalition or something else altogether Peter Omsley seems to have uh, 206 different permutations <laughs> for how you could form a government with uh, some or all yes. of these four parties uh, which are all new ideas and never explored. So yeah, we yeah. Uh, we don't know how that will look like. And he uh, seems uh, not to have a clear idea uh, himself. Yeah. Uh, what exactly is pro- he is proposing a Zaka cabinet that yeah. is a, a cabinet with ministers that not necessarily are re- um, uh, connected to political parties, but come from the field. Um, and yeah, there are all sorts of. Um, all sorts of permutations uh, imaginable, uh, uh, which I've never tried before. So, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Did not Pete Omzik when he was a when he was a child uh, got those uh, sort of slightly dangerous chemistry sets for Christmas, you know, every year, and sort of tried every single experiment in them, and every uh, tried to try to mix all the different uh, chemicals. You, you know about these? Maybe it's a bit. I, d- I don't think he um, he uh, did experiments with it. I, th- I, I imagine that he uh, just uh, uh, ordered a lot of chemistry books yeah. and uh, read, read them all <laughs> without actually uh, uh, putting it to practice. Yeah. Um, but but there are more problems uh, about the types of governments, uh, type of coalition these four parties uh, probably will end up in, right? Yeah, and the main problem is that uh, basically we have two of these parties that don't actually want to form a majority coalition with Geert Wilders. And they both say, we're happy to have a coalition of the other three, but not with us in it. So if, um, uh, the Faith of Day, the right-wing Liberal Party led by Dylan Yeshugas, have said they won't join a coalition and appoint cabinet ministers, uh, which is a big issue because they're the only party that's got experience of government in the yeah. Hague in this quartet so they don't want to be put their experienced people forward to fill the ministerial posts but they are willing to support a coalition of the other three PFF, NSC and BBB from parliament and that will probably mean drawing up some kind of confidence and supply deal like the one that Wilders had when he was uh, propping up the Fefe Day led cabinet in 2010. But oh. uh, NSA have said the same thing. They said uh, Peter Omsley says he doesn't want to be in government with the Fefe Fe, but he'll help a coalition of Fefe Fe, Fefe Day and Bebebe stay in power. So the only person who's actually willing to go into a government with Kit Wilders at this stage is Caroline van der Plus. But Fe and the Farmers Party have only got 44 seats between them and 20 senators, which is uh, only just over half the number you actually need for a majority in the two houses. Yeah, and, and, and having a support deal with two parties will also be unprecedented and yeah. a little bit strange. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it, it will end up in an... Uh, if this is the case, it will be an awkward situation uh, for the newly formed uh, uh, coalition. But, yeah, uh, yeah we, we, we haven't reached that stage yet. We have still three, two stages to, uh, yeah. to, uh, to go through, which yeah. are difficult enough. Yeah, I think so. But I think inevitably, Plastec has uh, this idea to do it in steps by step. But I mean, surely the whole question of whether you have a Gedorkenstruxie or uh, a standard majority cabinet is going to come up during the coalition talks because the whole reason point, that they're yeah. the, the only reason they're not willing to go into cabinet is about this is to do with their differences on policy, which is what's discussing at stage two. So. Yeah. Um, 
yeah they're gonna kind of bleed into each other inevitably i think yeah there's some uh, some 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 clear overlap between these uh, between these issues um and uh, yeah we already mentioned him but uh, who is going to lead uh, the uh, coalition talks yeah well, well now that uh, ronald plastic has concluded his duties as uh, for Kenner or election scout the next stage is to appoint an informateur who leads and or chairs the substantial talks to form a coalition and report back to parliament in the old days uh, this was somebody appointed by the by the queen who would report back to the queen uh, Kit Wilders as the leader of the largest party proposed a name to parliament on Monday and MPs uh, endorsed his choice on Wednesday so the next round of talks will be led by former Labour Minister Ronald Plusterk which is kind of actually in practice what almost always happens at the Fikenna yeah. because they're the, obviously they're the, they're the, they sat in on the meetings and they know how the parties stand. It's the, always the logical choice to lead the next stage of talks as well. So Plastek has also said that the informateur should try to produce his next report on the progress of talks by the end of February. So, yeah, we're not expecting any fast movement here at all. No, but that's, uh, that's always the case in a formation process in Dutch politics. Um, yeah. On Wednesday, the Tweede Kamer debated Verkenner uh, Ronald Plastek's final report, which concluded that the four right-wing parties should uh, start talks uh, to form a coalition. Um, of course, left-wing parties expressed their concern that under a potential cabinet led by Geert Wilders, basic and fundamental constitutional rights for minorities and Muslims will be eroded, and uh, this cabinet will also harm the rule of law. The left-wing uh, party leaders demanded that uh, PVV leader Geert Wilders should apologize or take back a, a very long list of unconstitutional proposals he has made in the past 20 years. Uh, this includes calling on a ban on mosques and the Quran, instituted tax on headscarves and chanting that he will arrange fewer Moroccans in the Netherlands. Mm. Wilders unsurprisingly refused to do so. He did repeat his promise that he will be prime minister for every person in the Netherlands uh, and that he is prepared to compromise. He said that he uh, will put all these kind of proposals on ice in order to join a coalition, uh, but that uh, of course, didn't reassure the left-wing parties. But the other potential coalition parties stated that they will guarantee fundamental rights and that these will be protected in the coming rounds of talks. And they pointed out that uh, constitutional amendments take a very, very long time to come in into effect. Yeah, and it's a pro it, it, it's not a straightforward process at all. You have to have two votes either side of an election to the Veda Kama. Yeah. So yeah, the actual process uh, holds it up. Um, but I think uh, yeah, the concerns were that uh, Wilders will find ways to erode those rights, yeah. even if he doesn't actually formally amend the constitution. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we've put this issue to bed at all. There's also chaos and bewilderment and disorder uh, around a motion put forward by uh, Fevite leader Dylan Yeshulgas. Yes, the debate on Wednesday ended in uh, in chaos because Fevite leader Dylan Yeshulgas surprised everyone with a motion calling on the government and the Senate to put the legislative process of the so-called Spreidingswet on hold while the formation is ongoing. Um, this bill will give the national government power to force local authorities to open asylum seeker centers and there's currently an enormous shortage of accommodations for asylum seekers in the Netherlands not least because municipalities refuse to accept them out of fear of local resistance and a surprise visit by Geert Wilders mm. um, the bill is aimed at uh, spreading the burden which is now carried by a handful of mostly rural communities uh, more evenly across the countries and ensure more beds um, the bill was vividly opposed by the VVD and it contributed uh, to the fall of the cabinet in July after which the bill was uh, ironically still accepted by the Tweede Kamer in the old composition uh, and currently it is waiting to be debated in the upper house and Yesoka's motion was co-signed by the PVV, NSA and BBB and these forward parties are enough for a majority and um, yeah, the tabling of the motion called caused outrage by the other parties, especially the VVD's old coalition partners, uh, who even hinted they would step out of the caretaker cabinet if the motion was put to a vote. Um, these f three parties do support the spreading sweat and they felt the motion was unconstitutional because it tried to interfere with the agenda of the Eerste Kamer, while the two houses of parliament operate independently. Um, Yesogus responded by saying that the new composition of the Tweede Kamer is against the bill and they should have the right to express that they wish uh, to have it scrapped. And um, yeah, so um, uh, chaotic scenes. Uh, I have to say that 
um, it was a bit of a, uh, a storm in the teacup because the Tweede Kamer has no authority on the agenda of the Eerste Kamer. So they can vote for this motion, but it has no effect because the Eerste Kamer doesn't have to, uh, yeah, can just ignore it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's true. But then on the other hand, that, that that just makes you think, well, why did they even try and pull this stunt in the first yeah. place? It seems completely a complete misjudgment by Yishilgaz, actually. And then she had to do this whole about face, about turn on Thursday, to where she watered down this motion substantially, whereas no longer, it was now just kind of gently recommending to the Senate that they put this whole vote on hold, but not actually making any firm demands of them. But it, it just seems What's weird that, uh, that, 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 uh, yeah, that she stirred up so much uh, op-ef and resentment and you know, at a time when we were talking about trying to restore trust in politics and uh, trying to get uh, um, uh, leaders and party leaders and ministers to focus on the issues rather than playing political games this was just a pure political game it would seem and one that backfired on her quite badly yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I agree and also strange that uh, it was co-signed by Peter Omtzigt yeah. who is the uh, self-proclaimed uh, defender of the constitution and to um, yeah make such a yeah a constitutionally dubious request to the eerste kamer is yeah. uh, is and also not one point say or the motion said that the the cabinet should uh, inter- should uh, try and uh, uh, pull rank or you know, put pressure on the eerste kamer um, not to go through this vote which again you know completely goes against uh, the, the the basic principles of the separation of powers yeah yeah uh, so mm. very strange. Yeah. Um, and to make things uh, even more strange, um, this bill was originally proposed by uh, Dylan Jesukus herself as the uh, Minister for Justice. Um, and it was defended by Junior Justice Minister Eric van den Peur, who is now, they both are VVD MPs. So we have the, uh, yeah, and, and the, the, the motion was then... Um, uh, the vote didn't go through because uh, GroenLinks BVDA leader Frans Timmermans requested an appreciation by the cabinet before a vote. And uh, that led to an even more complicated mm. situation because VVD Prime Minister Mark Rutte advised on behalf of VVD ministers Jesselgus and Van den Burg to vote against the motion tabled by VVD leader Jesselgus on behalf of VVD MP Van den Burg to put the bill proposed by VVD minister Jesselgus and Van den Burg on hold. So yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, and of course the reason they couldn't have, didn't get the advice from the cabinet is that the minister who had to write the advice was uh, junior justice minister Eri yeah. van der Burg, who yeah. was basically having to write an advice that uh, which was probably going to advise Parliament uh, not to adopt a motion by his boss, Dylan Yeshigers, or his immediate superior in the cabinet, Dylan Yeshigers. And um, it was it was delayed at the very last moment to vote on the yes. on this motion, and there was one. Um, yeah, uh, uh, one seat unoccupied in the chamber at the time of that vote, and that was mm. the seat of Erik van den Burg. So uh, it probably said a lot about how he felt about this motion. Yeah, uh, I think. I think it's. I mean, I yeah, it, yeah. I think it says a lot as well. That uh, I mean, it, it, it's just weird to see the the Fefe Day, which was this very tightly managed, uh, very well disciplined party, now seemingly you know d- d- there seem to be some real rifts in between the members yeah. and the ministers or the, the caretaker ministers uh, within uh, within the Fefe Day. You know, Van der Berg is a guy who devises Breiding's vet and has justified it and said it's necessary uh, throughout this. At the same time, uh, there was a big backbench rebellion by his colleagues by the rest of Fefe Day last year uh, which then sort of ran through and eventually um, uh, led uh, uh, ultimately to uh, Mark Rutter uh, pulling the plug on the entire coalition in July because he did, did a, part of the reason for that was that he felt like he wasn't going to get support from his from his party um, for more um, uh, unless he could come out with uh, firm measures to uh, 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 to reduce the number of asylum seekers so yeah I think this uh, th- th- there's really serious divisions I think within the Fefe Day, but also between the new Fefe Day faction in the Parliament and the old Fefe Day um, group of ministers, and of course you've also seen that um, s- since the 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 the, the, the Fefe Day so special congress that they had after the election, you saw that uh, the rank and file mostly want to go into government with Geert Wilders, uh, but Dylan Yeshlikas has said she don't doesn't want to join a cabinet, and the more senior Fefe Day members, uh, people like Josias van Aertsen, um, uh, d- 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 who was uh, a, a minister around the time that uh, Wilders left the Fefe Day has said don't buy, d- 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 don't do this, don't go into yeah. government with, the, with uh, Wilders. So I think we're almost seeing a kind of CDR style split in the making here. 
Yes, um, but unfortunately for us, uh, the VVD doesn't allow special conferences like one the CDA no. held in 2010. <laughs> so there won't be that much political drama, but um, that there is, um, uh, 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 yeah, that there that there are uh, problems uh, brewing uh, below the surface. That is, uh, it is very clear that that is happening uh, at this party that seemed to be such a united block for the past uh, what is it, 13 years? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's also uh, been uh, more news uh, from the Trader Karma. They've had a uh, vote for a new uh, successor to Feo Bergkamp. Yes, the lower house uh, elected BVV MP Martin Bosma as its new speaker, or rather chairman. Uh, GroenLinks BVDA MP Tom van der Lee was the other candidate in the race, uh, and uh, he lost by 75 to 66 votes. Yeah, that's um, interesting because, of course, four right wing parties have 81 seats, but Bosma yeah. got 75 votes yeah so yeah there were some uh, some um, uh, there were two MPs not present at the vote yeah. uh, a number of them voted for Rulin Kaminga who served as the other um, uh, deputy speaker but uh, she wasn't eligible mm. and she didn't uh, uh, she, she didn't, didn't put her name for as a candidate she, no yeah. But it's interesting that I mean it was a two it was a race of two candidates and it still went to a second round. I thought that was yeah. quite intriguing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Bosma uh, had tried uh, before to win the largest seat in the Tweede Kamer, uh, but two early attempts failed because uh, back then his membership of the PVV faction dismissed him as a serious candidate. What could have changed? Yes. Um, um, even though it must be said he is seen as a strong and neutral deputy chair, um, but that uh, that is a sharp contrast with uh, how he behaves as an MP yeah. when he uh, speaks on behalf of the PVV and when he uh, sits in the in the in the chair of the chair. Bosma said in a short speech after his win that he wanted to dedicate his modest victory to all the PVV politicians who have paid a major price for the fact that they back the PVV. They have lost their jobs, he said, failed to get promotion, their children have been banned from sports club, but no one has paid a higher price for his ideas than Geert Wilders, and I want to thank him. He also proposed to uh, to install a guillotine in the uh, Yeah, I saw that. Chamber. Did you yeah, see that? Yeah. Yeah. No, not a natural guillotine, though. No, he, yeah. and a metaphorical guillotine. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. After 11 p.m., um, the session will be uh, hammered uh, hammered off, and yeah, uh, they will all go, will home. go home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he's known for... I think the contrast between him and Tom van der Leij, it was um, in terms of uh, the, the, the actual chairman's job, was that uh, Bosma is uh, known for being a real stickler for sticking to the clock, right, and timings. Yeah. And he basically bangs people out if they go over time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he is... Uh, is a bit more humorous than uh, than Tom van der Leyen. Yeah. That's a uh, quality that is always much appreciated by the public and by uh, MPs as well and yeah. the uh, uh, parliamentary journalists, uh, I think. Um, so, yeah, that was also something that he had to uh, 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 go in favour for him, I think. Yeah. It's interesting, MPs um, uh, across the chamber mostly speak very well of Bosma as chairman, but obviously they've got very, very big reservations about uh, his, his, yeah. his political viewpoints. We'll have to see whether he continues in the same vein or whether or not the PVV is a bigger party that um, his uh, his style changes but uh, he has been deputy speaker for I think the past two he was a deputy speaker under Arib as well wasn't he he's, he's, yeah he's, for, um, for he's done this job for years, quite a while and uh, generally yeah. he's uh, quite well regarded German authorities say a man who was arrested in Rotterdam on Thursday morning in an anti-terrorist operation had close links to Hamas the 57-year-old man was one of four people who were suspected of planning to attack Jewish sites in Europe. The other three were all arrested in Berlin. The Telegraph named the man as Nasi R and said he had been trying to procure weapons to carry out attacks in Europe. He was also in contact with uh, Khalil Hamed Al-Khwarez, who was the second in command of Hamas's armed unit until he was killed in Israeli bombing in southern Lebanon last month. Hamas is classed as a terrorist organisation by the United States and the European Union. Three men were also arrested in Denmark on Thursday in suspicion of preparing an attack, but Denmark's intelligence agency said the arrests weren't directly linked to the German operation. 
Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said all seven were acting on behalf of Hamas, which also controls Gaza, of course. Earlier this week, the terrorism alert level in the Netherlands was raised to level four out of five, meaning there is a substantial risk or considered to be a substantial risk of an attack taking place. While EU Home Affairs Commissioner Ilva Johansson said there was a huge risk of an attack in Europe over the Christmas period because of Israel's bombardment of the Gaza Strip, which has killed more than 18,000 Palestinians since the start of October. And the Dutch government was also criticized for not backing calls for a ceasefire in Gaza at the uh, United Nations, right? Yes, uh, the Netherlands abstained uh, again in a vote at the UN on uh, a motion that was calling for a ceasefire. 153 countries voted in favor of the motion, 10 voted against and 23 abstained, including the Netherlands and Germany. Now, Foreign Affairs Minister Hanke Brand Slot said in a statement that the Dutch had tried to change the wording of the motion. The government's objections were that it didn't spell out the ceasefire should be temporary temporary which i think is strange because aren't ceasefires <laughs> always temporary i mean that's in the nature of a ceasefire right yeah, if, yeah if, that's if, right. if negotiations don't work out you go back to fighting anyway and also they didn't condemn the attacks by hamas on october the 7th which left more than 1200 israeli and foreign nationals dead and triggered the israeli military response the foreign ministry said it did support the concern expressed in the motion for the humanitarian situation in Gaza, which UN agencies say is, uh, you know, is, is, is verging on a catastrophe, and its calls for all hostages to be released immediately. And of course, the other conflict going on is in Ukraine, and uh, Mark Rutte was uh, at a meeting of European leaders this week uh, where they agreed to um, proceed with uh, Ukraine's uh, accession to uh, join, uh, or application to join the European Union. Um, there was a bit of uh, uh, a standoff by the that because of course the Hungarian Prime Minister um, Viktor Orban uh, had threatened to veto the deal but in the end they came up with a trick where he left the room while they made the decision and then Oh uh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th then they could say it was uh, presented as a unanimous decision but at the same time Orban could go and stand in front of the cameras um, uh, while uh, no doubt uh, his uh, his friend Vladimir Putin was watching closely on the, on his television in, yes. in, in, his, uh, in, in, in his padded room in the Kremlin. And uh, his other friend uh, uh, Geert Wilders. Um. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, so, yeah, but, 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 but there is now a row about um, uh, the, the, the continuing to finance uh, Ukraine. Of course, that was also the subject of a vote um, back in the Trade Kama this week, yep. uh, where uh, the, the, the PFFA, of course, in their manifesto, said they want to stop military aid to Ukraine. Um, uh, they don't want to keep, don't keep uh, funding the Ukrainians and uh, Mark Rutte came uh, were warned that uh, if uh, Parliament did pass a motion that would block further aid to Ukraine the government simply wouldn't carry it out so, yeah, uh, and he also said that uh, yeah, if you're unhappy, uh, if you if you want to prevent me from going to Brussels yeah. uh, 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 without uh, without carrying out this motion, then you should uh, be real quick about it and uh, pass a motion of no confidence because yeah. uh, otherwise uh, I'm just not going to do it. So yeah. um, th th there were some um, there were some uh, uh, misinterpretations I think in the Dutch media because a lot of uh, uh, Dutch political commentators said that uh, Rutte threatened to resign if that motion uh, was passed that wasn't really the case there is a difference between the motion of no confidence being passed and 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 the other scenario but still i think it was uh, um uh, it, it, it really um uh, held firm and he uh, held his foot i think uh, uh, in support of uh, of ukraine here yeah definitely it's almost time for the most notoriously undemocratic vote of the year. No, not the top 2,000, but the Dutch News Ophef of the Year Awards. And patrons of the podcast have the dubious privilege of hearing the rundown of this year's uh, instantly forgettable minor skirmishes uh, long before everybody else. If that doesn't persuade you to go over to our Patreon page and sign up, well, probably nothing will. But you will get early access, uh, not just to the Opera for the Year Awards, but also all our exclusive content, such as the upcoming deep dive into the PFFA. Um, new patrons also get a shout-out to say thank you, and you can fire your questions at us about life and politics in the Netherlands. There are four tiers of membership. Uh, they all offer the same benefits with one crucial exception, which is that Hortegordel patrons, that's the top tier, get three votes in the Opeth of the Year awards, as regular patrons uh, have two, and non-paying listeners uh, just get the one. And we have uh, three Hortegordel patrons at the moment, so it's a very exclusive club. <laughs> uh, we've also got four new patrons to welcome this week, so thank you very much to, to Jem Conliff, uh, Janet Davis, Jeff Baylor, and Daria Kitschenko. Uh, thank you very much, all of you, for your support. 
Uh, Daria writes... Gem, sorry. I think Jem, Janet and Jeff could be uh, a band in the top 2000. Oh, God. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could be yeah, the Jefferson Airplane or something, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, Daria writes... Uh, the, 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 that would raise the standard straight away. Daria writes, I'm extremely happy that I found your podcast after three years uh, living in an oblivious life in respect of local news. Uh, and uh, so, uh, Well, I think after getting into three years of not paying attention to Dutch news uh, would probably make you much happier than um, than you were for following the election but uh, anyway uh, it also says uh, I'm one of Brexit la- I'm one of the Brexit land passport holders so once again we seem to be ah. acquiring lots of new citizens from across the North Sea uh, but also of Russian origin and living in Groningen with my family looking forward to participating in the uh, corrupt podcast votes uh, uh, so <laughs> there we are if you'd like to join our band of patrons, uh, corrupt or otherwise, uh, we, we don't discriminate. Uh, go to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash DutchNewsNL. Coronavirus is uh, still among us, and it has been spreading fast in the past weeks, as indicated by the number of people posting the results of their last self-test online and coronavirus particles found in wastewater. This has risen 57% in the past week, reaching the highest ever level. And uh, yeah, this is also reflected by the number of hospital admissions, which grew from 108 per day to 149 over the past week. This isn't good, is it? So it's not too no. good. Yeah. No, 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 indeed. Um, some hospitals uh, even have a shortage of beds and they are desperately looking for more beds to, uh, to pull all their patients in. And, and there are um, currently 741 patients with coronavirus in hospital, of whom 43 were in intensive care, and that's 13 more than the previous week, all according to the Algemeen Dagblad. And there are currently two dominant variants, the EG5 and the BA286, uh, circulating. Um, there is no evidence these uh, make more people ill, but experts warn that they can still have a serious impact. The build-up uh, resistance uh, through vaccination programs uh, make people less likely to end up in hospital, but COVID can still make them seriously ill, according to medical experts. Uh, and they added that COVID isn't over and people should still remain cautious. Uh, you should isolate yourself if you have symptoms continue to wash your hands ventilate rooms properly and avoid contact with people who can become seriously ill Um, the government hasn't issued specific new recommendations yet uh, for coping with the uh, growing spread of the virus and i don't think you can expect them to come out very soon unlikely i've got to say yeah yeah um i have to see who the new pfff appointed uh, health minister is Uh, hopefully it's not going to be villa mangel After their heroics against Belgium in the Nations League, the Dutch women's footballers will take on world champion Spain for a place in the Olympic tournament next summer. France will play Germany in the other Nations League semi-final in February, and both finalists will qualify for the Olympics. And if they live in and lose, they could still make it if the French reach the final, because they're the host nation for the Olympics, and so then the winners of the third-place playoff will also get a spot. All right, and uh, the Dutch also have a competition for the Women's World Cup, right? Yes, because they want to host it in 2027, uh-huh. along with Germany and Belgium. They, 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 they submitted a joint bid to host the 10th edition of the Women's Tournament. Uh, but at the weekend, the USA and Mexico also pitched in, um, and they're seen as serious contenders. Uh, the USA, of course, also uh, former world champions. Uh, and Brazil are the other, um, uh, the, the, the only nation vying to host the tournament on their own. The winning bid will be announced at FIFA's Congress in Bangkok in May, and the Dutch also teamed up with Belgium to bid for the 2018 Men's World Cup, uh, but on that occasion, Mm. uh, the wise heads of FIFA decided to hold the tournament in Russia instead. Yes, uh, we didn't have enough brown envelopes to uh, push through (laughs) hotel doors, I think, back then, yes. Uh, speaking of men's football, uh, what is the latest in the Champions League? Yeah, uh, and uh, I, I know you'd be keen to ask. Uh, PSV are through to the knockout stages for the first time in eight years. They already knew they were going to finish second in their group uh, before this week's match against Arsenal in London. Both sides rested a number of key players, including Luke de Jong for PSV. Uh, Eddie and Katia put the Gunners ahead just before half-time. PSV equalised straight after the break, um, or shortly after the break, through Jobba Fetessen and could have snatched a win if Hustil had managed to find the target from a tight angle. Feyenoord, meanwhile, they lost their final Champions League match 2-1 to Celtic. Um, uh, that was, uh, of course, a replay of the 1970 European Cup final when the score went the other way. Of course. Of course, <laughs> yeah, I know you knew that. 
<laughs> but it didn't matter because they're already sure of third place. That means they'll play in the Europa League after Christmas. Uh, Ajax won't. Uh, they've dropped down from the Europa League to the Conference League uh, after they managed their first win in the competition against AK Athens. And as at Alkmaar, who were in the Conference League before Christmas, uh, they're out <laughs> of Europe altogether because they lost 2-0 away to Polish side Legia Warsaw. The draw for the next round of all those competitions takes place at UEFA headquarters in Switzerland on Monday. And um, the long-distance skaters will have to get their, well, skates on this weekend? Yeah, there's, um, uh, I put this item in purely for the pun, really. There's, okay. uh, but what's <laughs> happening is that there's a World Cup qualifying tournament at Tielf Stadium in Herefein, that famous skating uh-huh. venue. And um, it's going on all weekend, but the mass start event, which is the one where all the skaters go off at the same time and crash into each other, one of the better, one of the more entertaining uh, long-distance skating events, that's due to finish just after half past five. Uh, and mm. as some of the real hardcore skaters are also competing in the Fechtsabana Marathon, which is a race over 125 kilometers that starts at a quarter past eight. But it's not in Herefein, it's in Utrecht. So yes. the top skaters are going to have just over two and a half hours to warm down, uh, drive to Utrecht, uh, warm up again and get to the start line. Uh, a guy, one of the skaters, Jeroen uh, Janissen, said that's not a problem because his house is a 10-minute bike ride from Tielf. So his plan is basically to warm down on the bike ride home, get in his car and drive to Utrecht and hope he doesn't get stuck in traffic. So, mm. And we'll just have to hope that there are no protractors on the motorway uh, between Herefein and Utrecht on uh, Saturday night. But if you see a guy, if you see a car going very fast along that stretch of motorway, uh, it's probably um, uh, Jeroen Janissen trying to get to his uh, skating marathon. Some cultural news now, beginning with the uh, Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam that has uh, authenticated two small portraits as genuine Rembrandt paintings. The two portraits uh, showing plumber Jan Willems van der Pluim and his wife Japren Karels are the smallest uh, Rembrandt uh, ever painted. Uh, the pair were related to the artist uh, through the marriage of their son to Rembrandt's cousin, and the Dutch master probably did the portraits as a favor for the couple, explaining the size and the quick brush strokes. So, a uh, real quick job for uh, for his two uh, 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 far relatives. Um, the paintings were recently auctioned at Christie's in London for 13 million euros, but material analysis and comparisons with other works by Rembrandt conducted by the museum confirms now that the paintings are from his hand. The portraits are now on a long-term loan to the museum and are currently on display. Right. All right, so that's uh, good, uh, interesting news from the world of uh, high culture, but let's uh, bring the level crashing down uh, a little bit because <laughs> we've got the lineup for this year's Top 3000. <laughs> Yes, uh, Radio 2 presented uh, the top 10 of the top 2000. And as expected, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody is on the top spot. Yeah. Uh, the poll of radio listeners' favorite records celebrated its, uh, will celebrate its 25th anniversary this year and has become just as traditional as Oli Buller and Fireworks. Yeah. So no surprise election outcome here. No, 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 definitely not. Uh, the countdown is played every December on Radio 2 and attracts millions of extra listeners to the station. Um, it is the 20th time Bohemian Rhapsody tops the list. Um, it was twice ousted by Hotel California by the Eagles, uh, one time by John Lennon's Imagine, um, again by the Avonds by Boudewijn de Groot, and recently in 2020 by Danny Vera's Roller Coaster. Um, and uh, Top 2000 is often criticized for being a list of boomers. Yes. Um, uh, 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 there is a, a strong preference for their music taste, uh, which is reflected by the top 10. Uh, we have, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody, Hotel California, Piano Man by Billy Joel, mm-hmm. Fix You by Coldplay. That's also a very boring song, mm-hmm. I have to say. Uh, Led Zeppelin, Pearl Jam, uh, Metallica, Nothing Else Matters. I think that is a relative newcomer, I think. I don't think I've ever seen it in the top 10. In the top 10? No, possibly not, no. And and Love of My Life by Queen is also, I think, uh, a, a relative newcomer. Um, but yeah, it is uh, it is a tradition. Uh, a lot of people vote for it. And I think um, Bohemian Rhapsody, I think most of the votes is just people voting for it out of tradition. I don't think... Yeah, pe- yeah. people just want to hear Bohemian Rhapsody at, uh, at midnight on at December midnight, the 31st, yeah. don't they? It's, yeah. it's like it's what they've grown up with. Yeah, which is my whole beef with the top trade doesn't that it just kind of... Re- it, it's a whole recycling exercise. People just want to wallow in nostalgia and... Uh, 
rather than uh, yeah uh, listen to listen to some new new music. But there you go. And, 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 and every year there are stunts by people who want to uh, put a particular song in the top two thousand or or in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, Caroline van der Plas, for example, of the Boerburgbeweging, she called on voters to vote for Sweet Caroline. Of course. Uh, because she wanted to have it in the top ten. That's the music that Sol is playing when she enters the stage. Uh, and uh, my favorite of these kind of stunts is uh, a stunt by Geen Stijl. They called on people to vote for the Pokemon song. And uh, I think every year it is in the top 2000. So yeah, that's always my highlight of the top 2000. The intro of, uh, of Pokemon. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, I'm just having a look on the uh, website to see if uh, Sweet Caroline's got into the top 2000 and it has, yeah, but I can't find see. where it is. Uh, uh-huh. It's a very cumbersome website uh, that Radio 2 have put up. It you really can, is. You can search yeah. for a song, but you you have to you have to know the name of the song and the artist and t- and spell it correctly. Otherwise, it won't find it for you. <laughs> and then it doesn't actually tell you where it is in the list. It just tells you whether okay. it is or isn't in the list. Oh, so. that's right, because that's they they want to have the final list is uh, is going to be a surprise. The uh, top okay. ten, which yeah. is the most the important part, the they time, already yeah. uh, published, but the yeah. rest is uh, is still a surprise. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So the f- the full round lineup of the uh, yeah the the, the, the of the top trade doesn't the full scale the horror will only become apparent um, <laughs> as they. Uh, start to release the list um, uh, in, in the next few days and also of course there is an extra 500 apparently that they, yeah. they've extended the top 3000 so yes. it's not now a top uh, yeah, 3500 and uh, yeah they're, they're going to um, release the list of the uh, of the ones that didn't quite <coughs> weren't quite good enough to get into the top 2000 um, uh, at some point as well that will that will not alleviate the quality of the. I'm afraid not. Setting. No, there will be even more <laughs> Dire Straits, Genesis, and Coldplay um, to, uh, to, to 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 bore your relatives with. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes, and you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast. My thanks to Paul Peters. I'm Gordon Derrick, and uh, you can subscribe now um, and or wait until the new year if you want to hear the Op of the Year Awards special. Otherwise, we'll be back with the next regular episode uh, in yeah in in January. <laughs>